When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the John Favreau's My Daddy podcast with Jessica Garcia and Monica Montoya. Hello. Hey, man. <laughs> you know what I, I just realized? What? You don't say your middle name in the intro. You're correct. I don't. Is there a reason? <laughs> I guess... I never introduce myself as Jessica Nicole Garcia. I just always use it as like my professional name. <laughs> uh, like, do you think Sarah Jessica Parker introduces herself as Sarah Jessica Parker? Absolutely. She just says, I'm Sarah. Do you do you follow her on Instagram? Yeah. I, she does she sign signs everything, everything with SJP. <laughs> Come on, man. What kind of fucking question is that? Okay, fine. She is Sarah I'm Jessica, Jessica Nicole Garcia. And uh, this. <laughs> yeah, I have no middle name, by the way. So, you don't like no. legit 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 can i give you one sure uh, uh. <laughs> <laughs> if it's empanada i'm gonna like leave <laughs> my mind went to pierre i think that pierre? really uh, <laughs> i almost named a dog pierre okay well now it can be your middle that's name that's a fun fact so by you can the way. name yourself pierre pierre Monica okay. Pierre Montoya. I think it sounds good. I agree. Put it on your driver's license. I will. Okay, good. I'll just legally change my name and spend hundreds of dollars. <laughs> to Pierre Montoya. To Pierre Montoya. <laughs> Hello, everybody. Hello, everybody. Um, Monica and I are trying to caffeinate right now and get some energy up here. Some blood. Yeah. Some sugar in the blood. I mean, does kombucha have caffeine? Yeah, it yes. does a little. Okay, it's a tea. Sure. It's just fermented tea. You're so right. So in the last episode, I talked about how my favorite beverage is butter booch, kombucha, the citrus sunrise flavor. I'm drinking that right now through one of them. Bitey straws. Bitey straws. I'm drinking an iced coffee with oat milk, also through a bitey straw. Bitey straws. They're really good. Are you ready? No. How are you? I'm good. How are you, man? I'm good. Not much has changed. <laughs> <laughs> what since the last time I saw you? Yeah. <laughs> um. Anyway, uh, we have a really fun daddy today. Yeah. Um. She's a female. Uh. Today we have Greta Gerwig. I mean, we don't have her. I wish we had. I her. wish we had her. She. I learned She's probably today busy doing a mom thing. I know. I, I was gonna say I learned today that she has a son. Yeah. That's cool. Named what? Harold. 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 Hawk. The Harold Angel sings <laughs> glory to the newborn king. Is that public domain? Are we going to get sued? That's public domain. I would think. I would think too. Hawk. <laughs> the Harold. At lawyers. Tell us. Tell us now. <laughs> if you are a lawyer dot com. <laughs> uh, cool. Anyway, today. Yeah. Greta Gerwig. Yeah, We're Greta talking about Gerwig. three fantastic films that she both you know a, a good mix in the bag she's in and directs yeah so. and i think some people might see that we're doing greta girl we can be like she's a daddy Fuck has yeah. she done enough and i would say yes i would say that what she has done is phenomenal huge yeah phenomenal got her a lot of fame very fast so 
that's why we're doing her and the range the range yeah her range is fucked up like it's crazy (laughs) like it's good like it's good (laughs) fucked up meaning like it's good yeah fucked up as in a wee it's cute it's so good it's so good yes (laughs) (laughs) um but anyway have you been cooking anything jessica no i mean i made ratatouille this week Florence Pugh's favorite food to make. I know. I am exactly like Florence Pugh. If you want to talk about the things we have in common, mm-hmm. that's one of them. You both have <laughs> the love for ratatouille. Yeah, I, except I didn't make it like the normal way. You're supposed. It's really just like chopped vegetables in like a tomato stew. Yeah. In like a pot, but I made it the way that they make it in the movie. Oh yeah, yeah, where it's yeah, like really yeah. thinly sliced, and you mm-hmm. like spiral them. Wait, in, I'm sorry. In what movie? The movie Ratatouille. <laughs> <laughs> in the movie Ratatouille. Ratatouille with Rami the Rat. Um, <laughs> yeah, one of my favorite animated films. Um, my yeah. So I made it film. the way that they do in that, it, which I think is called something different technically, but it's it's it tastes the same as Ratatouille. I believe you. I mean, I just finished watching a video. Where Florence Pugh does like a mukbang. Mm-hmm. Is that how you say mukbang? I think it's muk- mukbang. Mukbang. I think I don't actually mukbang. know. Um, what? How the the thing where people eat a lot of food? Mm-hmm. Um, she did one for Vogue, that <laughs> I think is so good. Vogue making mukbangs is amazing the production value is wild stupid (laughs) it's amazing um but she's like eating she's like trying a bunch of english foods Mm -hmm. um because as we know she's a brit she is british um and she there's just like from oxford she's from oxford (laughs) (laughs) and she tries this dish in like a cast iron and she like doesn't know what it is and the guy uh, is like you know probably like a scripty or someone's like oh it's a scripty it's an interview i don't know why i said that um someone some pa was probably like oh it's bubble and squeaky she was like bubble and squeak and it was just so fucking funny like, <laughs> bubble and squeak bubble and squeak that's what she sounds like it's so good so yeah and florence Pugh is in one of the movies we're talking about today so you're right and i think she's the best part of that movie i agree but we'll get there we'll get there but today we're talking about the beautiful the talented, the awkward, Greta, Greta Gerwig, Greta Gerwig. What a good name! I know Greta Gerwig. I, there's a lot of power in alliteration, but especially in that in those names. Mm-hmm. Ten out of ten. All right, tell us about Greta a little bit, Monica. Uh Greta Gerwig is an actor, playwright, screenwriter, and director. Whew. That's what makes her daddy. Right there is how many fucking roles she takes on. Oh yeah, in these films. Um, she's from Sacramento. Which is our friends up north. Which is very apparent in her films. <laughs> it's so apparent. Every film she does, it's like there's Sacramento somewhere. I, it's shocking to me that Little Women wasn't set in Sacramento. Like, uh, <laughs> excuse me, it could have been. Um, she attended an all-girls Catholic school despite not being Catholic. Uh, originally intending to become a playwright, after meeting young film director Joe Swanberg, she became the star of a series of intellectual low-budget movies made by first-time filmmakers, a trend dubbed Mumblecore. Dumbledore. <laughs> <laughs> what is Mumblecore, you might ask? We will get to that. 
Yeah. Uh, she basically wants us to know that like dialogue is better than sex. So that's 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 her stamp on life. That's pretty cool. Uh, basically, I like talking. Yeah, we all like talking. Clearly, <laughs> clearly, I love talking. Clearly, I love talking so much. <laughs> <laughs> basically, y'all, Greta Gerwig is the cool older sister that we all want and don't have. Oh uh, yeah, we love her. Yeah. But yeah, that's Greta. Cool. So the first movie that we're going to talk about is the first movie where I became aware of Greta Gerwig. Yes. Um, she has been in other movies. Like she was in that movie, No Strings Attached. So randomly. She had like a cameo <laughs> and a couple lines. And not a good movie that Not one. a good movie. But you know, she's in it, which I thought was kind of funny. But anyway, so this is the first movie where Greta Gerwig got onto my radar. I didn't see it when it came out, though. I saw it for the first time this week. And I loved it. That movie is Francis Ha. Oh, Francis Ha. Tell us about Francis Ha, baby. So Francis Ha, made in 2012, written by Noah Baumbach and Greta Gerwig, directed by Noah Baumbach. And if you don't know, Noah Baumbach and Greta Gerwig are life partners. They're tight. They have a baby. <laughs> they're, they're pretty tight. They're pretty close. Uh, I hear they like each other. They like each um, other a lot. <laughs> yeah. So quick synopsis of this movie. A New York woman who doesn't really have an apartment apprentices for a dance company, though she's not really a dancer, has a best friend named Sophie, but they aren't really speaking anymore and throws herself headlong into her dreams, even as the possibility of realizing them dwindles. Greta stars as the tall and immature, awkward and graceful, blundering and candid, annoying and engaging Frances Ha, for which she earned a Golden Globe nomination. This is also where I'll throw in the mumblecore definition. Yeah. Um, um, because I didn't know what the fuck mumblecore was. <laughs> mumble and then after core. reading about it, found out I had seen a mumblecore movie before. But so mumblecore is a subgenre of independent film characterized by naturalistic acting and dialogue, sometimes improvised, low budget film production, an emphasis on dialogue over plot, and a focus on the personal relationships of people in their 20s and 30s. So basically, like, if you really like to talk yeah. and you're in your 20s or your 30s. Yeah this is that's that's it well i have seen movies where it's just like like there's not a lot of action it's mostly just like talking people chatting and like pretentious 20 to 30 year olds uh, you in know, like their new york apartments in their new york apartment mm -hmm. debating shit and like spending money going out to dinner instead of like paying their rent basically and i, I was like oh <laughs> i guess this is a whole genre yeah it's <laughs> called mumblecore it's a mumblecore baby dumbledore <laughs> and in these dumbledore films uh, my favorite thing about them is just like how nonsense, like this is fucking nonsense, yeah. but you love it. Cause like the actor, the acting is really good. And sometimes it's like improvised. Although fun fact, uh, none of the dialogue in Francis Ha is actually improvised. That makes a lot of sense. So actually. It, like it, it doesn't really, to me, it did not feel <laughs> improvised. It felt very scripted. It felt a lot like how I felt about a marriage story where all of the dialogue felt very intentional, kind of like in a play, which would make sense because Noah Baumbach started as a playwright and has a really um, strong love for theater, and so does Greta Gerwig. So when they collabed on this, it, it made sense to me that it would sound a lot like sound very theatrical. And oh, definitely. Way. Oh, yeah. When you put it like that, I think so. Absolutely. <laughs> so actually, I'm right, and Monica's wrong. Um, I don't know if you guys know this, but Jessica <laughs> went to USC, and I think that by going to USC, she received the education <laughs> she needed to always prove me wrong. <laughs> and that's 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 it, folks. She spent. Hundreds of thousands of dollars on an education. I think, uh, everyone just needs to, to take a, prove everyone me needs wrong. to take a shot whenever Monica mentions the fact that I went to USC. <laughs> you'll get so drunk. Yeah. Oh, you'll get so drunk. Um let's talk about Francis Ha. Let's talk about Francis Ha. Um 
So what I think is funny is that when I first started this movie, I was like, why does this feel like weird French cinema? And Because it's in black and white? <laughs> not just that. It was like the music. It was the dialogue. It was black and white. It was everything. And then I paused the movie, Googled it. And it was based off of like French new wave film. Oh, sick. sick <laughs> and I sick, was like, sick. ah, I'm a genius. Sick, <laughs> sick, sick. <laughs> right. I was like, I'm so smart. I'm so smart that I knew that this was based on French film, even though I've never seen a French film. That's USC, baby. I'm not. It's just because the music sounded vaguely French and therefore. The soundtrack was great. Oh, yeah. Beautiful scoring. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. Anyway, I... <clears throat> The thing that really captured me about this film was like the first few sequences just like immediately thrust you in. There is no like introduction to anything. You kind of just like walk in and it's almost like you like open the door to someone's apartment and you're like in there and you're witnessing them doing things. And like that's that that, that's the beginning of the movie. Like it has there is no like setup or anything like that, which I thought was really fun. Me too. This movie like right from the beginning gave me like chills because because if you're i mean i don't know about male friendship but if you're a woman female friendship Mm -hmm. i think we've all had this weird like we all have someone that we're really close to where it's like borderline toxic like borderline (laughs) codependent where we might as well just be in an actual relationship and so i was watching them and i was like i hate this but i am this (laughs) and i felt that throughout a lot of the movie (laughs) For those of you guys, for those of you who don't know, uh, Frances Ha, played by Greta Gerwig, is mm-hmm. like this 27-year-old woman who like lives in New York and she has a BFF named Sophie and they like live in a Brooklyn apartment together and they le- they're like a lesbian couple who like has no sex and no romantic feelings for and each other. And they valid- constantly validate each other's bad behavior. Absolutely. Like and- Greta will say something horrible that she did and Sophie will be like, yeah, that's so great. And we're all sitting here going, it's not you shouldn't do that that's yeah. bad actually or 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 they're like yeah so like i didn't do this and they're like oh that's so hilarious they're always saying that something's like hilarious yeah. or like so fucking funny like oh my god not going to that funeral that's so fucking funny like <laughs> what um is like a good example or like an equivalent of that but yeah. um there's this like painfully awkward scene in the beginning of the film that sets up like the tone for like who who Francis Ha, who's actually like Francis Halliday. Yeah, you find out <laughs> later that that's why the movie is called Francis Ha. Um, but she like is kind of fighting with her boyfriend, but not really. They're just like very different people. Yeah, and she's so stupidly awkward and like unsure of herself and doesn't know what the fuck's happening mm-hmm. essentially like her boyfriend at the time is like asking her to like move in with him or like buy cats together yeah he and wants she's... these stupid fucking expensive cats <laughs> and she's like straight up no like she's like oh well like i i feel really bad but i'm still like living with my best friend so yeah. like sorry about it she's like well i would have to ask sophie and we would have to wait until the lease ends. And I'm pretty sure she wants to renew it. So I can't move in with you. <laughs> it gives all these like reasons why she can't move in with him. Yeah. But the reasons are more like she doesn't want to move in with him. Yeah. And like clearly that's like hurting his feelings because he's like shedding tears. And she's like, okay, well, like 
I guess I should go. And he's like, why are you leaving? And she's like, did you not like just break up with me? <laughs> yeah, he's like, well, why would I be single with two cats? Yeah. When he's the one who said, I can't do this anymore. And she's I just know. like, okay, I thought that meant we're breaking up. But then neither of them like gets emotional about it no. either. Yeah, it's, it's just it. so good. And so she just she just ups and leaves and then like mm-hmm. goes home to her, to her non-lesbian lover. Yeah, friend. who like asks her to sleep in bed with her all the time at night. And like take her socks off. Yeah. What is that? I know. It's, Sophie's just like, you have to take your socks off when we sleep because socks in bed is weird. Like, is that weird? I don't think so. People's feet get cold. My also, get cold. some people think feet are gross. So like cover them up. Do you think feet are gross? No, but what I'm saying is that like if I, I do think that if I were sleeping in bed with just a friend, I would prefer they keep their socks on. I feel like feeling yeah. the toes of someone That's in bed with sensual. you rub up against you is not like, I think that crosses <laughs> a, a line. Thing. <laughs> you mean like interlocking toes is like not a friend thing? <laughs> I mean, I don't specifically mean interlocking toes, but I do think that like if you feel the toenails of someone who isn't your significant other, that like cross that that, that crosses a line. That's a line there. If you can feel me. like they're like toe hairs, it's just not okay. Yeah. Put some socks on, people. Put your socks on. Um but I fucking love like the soundtrack of this film. I think the yeah. music really drives it along because Honestly, if it wasn't for the music, I don't think that this film would be, would as, good. be as good. Yeah. Um, it sets the tone for a lot of it. Like, I really love, there's that moment. Um, oh, when is it? I wrote it. I wrote this down. Oh, okay. So, like, it's just, like, this weird, like, quiet movie with, like, vaguely French music playing. And all of a sudden, she starts, like, running down the street and Modern Love by David Bowie starts playing. Oh, yeah. And you're just like, oh, okay. Fuck yeah. <laughs> Somebody hoping. Oh, so good. Yeah, it's 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 really good. There's also a lot of really amazing supporting um, roles on this oh movie. Oh, my God. Adam Driver is amazing. Adam Driver's in this. Michael Zegan? Is he the one? He's the one. He plays Joel in Marvelous Mrs. Yes, Things, right? Michael Zegan. So He good. kills it. Like, other than Greta Gerwig, I would say he is the most impressive he's performance the in he's this movie. The mm-hmm. And he's also this, like, very unique role where I think some people would watch movies like Francis Ha and be like, who has a life like this? Mm-hmm. You know, like, who has friends like this? This is stupid. Like, these people mm-hmm. aren't real. Whereas I watch it, I'm like, I know exactly who these pretentious fuckers are. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> 100%. Um, I think Frances Ha is like the indie film that is kind of relatable because a lot of the themes in this film are like about like finding yourself who you are, trying to not be so reliant on other people for your own validation. Mm-hmm. Um, because the thing that like Frances in the film struggles with the most is validation point blank period. Yeah. Like she constantly needs to be validated by others and have others know that she's doing well in order for her to like live life well. Like there's this scene in the movie where she's like, you know, having dinner with Adam Adam Driver's character. Yeah. And she like, you know, she's like acting like a big, big shot cuz she just got like a tax refund. Yeah, she got her tax refund. Which <laughs> um, like, is so fucking funny. But anyway, they're like sitting at dinner. She's like, "Oh, I'm going to pay for the dinner." Yeah. And her credit card gets declined and they're Mm -hmm. like, oh, like, do you, you know, do you take like anything else? And they're like, no, just, you know, credit and cash. And she, this bitch needs like the validation Mm -hmm. and like the, like to be solidified as someone who can pay for fucking dinner that she runs blocks away trying to find an ATM (laughs) to get some fucking cash 
takes forever. Like, it is implied that she's gone for like 30 minutes or something. And she like injures herself in the process. She, she like cuts her arm open or something. Comes back, pays for the stupid fucking dinner. Mm-hmm. And Adam Driver's character is like, why the fuck did you do that? Like, that was so stupid. Yeah, but he also, however, doesn't like question her much beyond that, no. which I think is also so funny. I know. Like, because like she's being insane, but he's also just like, okay, you know? Yeah, so many people in this film like feed her garbage. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like they feed her garbage behavior in this movie, and I just think that it's so that's really realistic because yeah, in a lot of films, usually the friends are like, "No, Greta Gerwig, don't do that. It's gonna bite you in the ass." Yeah, but in this movie, like everyone's feeding into each other's bullshit. Everyone. Well, I think that's one of the reasons why the performances in the movie impress me so much because in a genre like this. <laughs> In the genre of mumblecore, <laughs> there's very, very little to like hide behind when it comes to the performances. It's just the dialogue um, that they have to work with, really. Basically. And I guess they're like acting skills. Well, yeah. But I mean, like, like for example, um, what's the actor's name who I'm thinking of? Michael Zeger. Yes. Him. I just want to call him Joel all the time. <laughs> Don't we all? What a hunk. So like he's incredible in The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, but that show is very like character based. And like stylized. Exactly. So like he's great in that. But I think in this, I'm like, I can see what an actor he is. He's so relaxed. Because there's there you there's like no pretense to hide behind. Nothing. There's no character. There's no like, there's no, um you know, there, there's no style. There's nothing. It's literally just like him at, sitting at a kitchen table. Yeah. Just talking to his friends. Yeah. Granted, they do say like some really absurd shit in this movie. They really do. Like, oh, I think my favorite line in the entire movie <laughs> is when Adam Driver has that girl over. Her name is Nessa. And she's, oh, al- yeah. she's also in the show. Um, She's in Succession. And she's in oh, The Marvelous yeah. Mrs. Males. She's in both. She plays the sister-in-law in in The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, the one who's, like, constantly trying to get pregnant. Holy shit, yeah. Yeah, so she plays (laughs) this girl that, like, Adam Driver is fucking in Francis Haw. And when she leaves, he just goes, Nessa can't come from anything except 69. (laughs) (laughs) I listened to that line, and I was like, that's the most insane thing I think I've ever heard anyone say. That's so dumb. You know, the Greta Francis Ha, Mm -hmm. um and Sophie are like in the bathroom earlier earlier in the film and they're like talking about like Sophie's like ex-lovers and stuff yeah and they're talking about how like oh well you know there was I dated this guy who like couldn't come unless I was like lying on my oh this was this was uh Francis who's saying this yeah unless I'm like lying on my stomach like like, flat on my stomach completely flat on my stomach on the bed and they're like well like just covers up all the best bits like (laughs) I'm like, this is this dialogue is insane. It's funny though, because like you meet people who are that weird. It's Truly. just like not the norm, so nobody talks about it. But it's so natural to them to exist in this world and yeah. to be these people. Exactly. I just find films like this so interesting where the character I mean, they seem like kind of hacky to some people because it's like, oh, they're just like weird people who have weird friends and all they know is like weird shit. But I'm like, I talk about weird shit. So yeah. this feels very <laughs> normal to me. <laughs> um no, I think that one of the biggest things you see in this film is the um, evolution of the friendship that she has with Sophie, that Frances mm-hmm. Ha has with Sophie. And I think that beyond they're in, like beyond the beginning of the film when they're like all like lovey-dovey and like, 
oh, we're BFF. Like, we do anything for each other. Like, oh, in the future, we're going to, like, get honorary degrees and, like, be so famous and, like, yeah. rich and fucking whatever. That's the only part of the movie where I rolled my eyes where she was like, tell me the story of us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, which I was going to, I 100% thought that, that she was going to, like, go back in time and be like, we met when That's I was working, I blah, was blah, blah, blah. But no, it's but actually, no. like, the story of, like, how in the future we're going to be rich and famous and amazing mm-hmm. because we're not that now. Yeah. Um, but I love the evolution of their friendship because it's so real. Like your friends get older, they get their priorities change. You're, and if you aren't necessarily like within the same, I guess, like scope of adulthood as they are, mm-hmm. then you sort of fall behind and you feel like you're not really and as adulty as they are. And you're not really... You know, you don't have like a steady boyfriend and you don't have like a job in publishing and you don't have a ton of money and you can't move to your favorite neighborhood because you can't afford it. Like then you start to sort of lose friends. And I think that part of the movie is really, really relevant. Yeah. And I think the like the the portrayal of like their quote unquote feud was a lot more accurate than a lot of other movies I've seen about friendship specifically like female friendship because when it's someone you're that close with you're like okay like a fight is a fight do we treat it as if it's like been this big thing do I have to treat it like I need to do a big apology and so you don't and then like you just find yourself not talking where like it's not this big dramatic thing which it's not in the movie and it kind of makes you want to like grab Francis Francis's shoulders and like shake her and be shake like the shit just text her. your friend just call her mm-hmm. like what the fuck is wrong with you but then you realize like these lines are so blurry for them because of how close they are yeah. and so it, the friendship just kind of like dwindles away yeah like when uh Francis goes back t- home for uh, a holiday Christmas? it's Christmas. Christmas yeah um she is like sitting at the kitchen table like talking with her family and her family's like oh my god Sophie's so great and she has this great job and like oh did you know she's moving to Japan and like yeah. all this like amazing stuff and Francis is like well like I read more than her and like I'm better than her mm-hmm. in like different ways yeah. And her family's like, what? And she's like, I'm so sorry. I don't know why I'm shit talking my best friend. And oh, wait, no, that's the dinner that she has with um, Gr- the actress's name is Grace Gummer. She's Meryl Streep's daughter. Oh, yeah, you're yeah, right. You're because Frances has just come back from that trip to see her family. Yes. And so she stays with the friend. Right before she goes to Paris. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Grace Gummer plays like this modern dancer who's in the same company as Frances. And she's like a big bitch. <laughs> <laughs> But she, um, she's good. But yeah. But uh, anyway, it was a dinner and she yeah. was talking to these people. And I think that that line specifically mm-hmm. was like the way that Greta Gerwig delivered it was so it felt like there was so much there mm-hmm. because she, at first she was like, <laughs> like really nervous about it. And she was like, I just I don't know why I just did that. Like that was really weird and a strange reaction that I had to my BFF. Like. Yeah. And then, you know, obviously, like, needing the validation, like, she solidified, like, she's my best friend. Like, we are a BFF. Like, you guys can give me all the information you can about her, but she's my best friend, so fuck you. Yeah, no, I I totally agree with that. Because um, I think it, it, with female friendship a lot, like, women care so much about like taking each other down yep even if they're each other's friends it's kind of crazy like I've witnessed this in my own personal life like talking to like a male friend or my boyfriend about 
friends of mine who I'm really close with and then finding Mm -hmm. myself being like so negative about them Mm -hmm. and then being like I love this bird like what am I doing (laughs) what the fuck is wrong with me like why am I pointing out all of their flaws and like saying everything terrible that they've been done in the last year even though like we love each other and we hang out all the time it's it's like I would literally die for this person but also she's a fucking bitch you know it's things like that (laughs) um but yeah like that's exactly right so like that's the reason why their friendship and like their feud throughout the whole movie is super relevant and like Mm -hmm. resonates a lot with like women you know female friendships yeah like all around the world i think um but especially like female friendships in that awkward age like that's what a fucking awkward ass age 27 like you're you're almost 30 Mm -hmm. you're why you're not 20 (laughs) (laughs) they mentioned in the movie like multiple times that 27 is old which i think is not really true but it's fine um but you know being at this age of like you're probably in a mid-level position at your job if you like went that route or you've fallen terribly behind Mm -hmm. um and you know this movie definitely (laughs) kind of depresses you because you're like where where do i fit like this is super accurate because a lot of my friends um you know when you're watching this film you're like oh a lot of my friends are in sophie's position and a lot of my friends are in greta's position or um Mm -hmm. francis's position like that's crazy yeah no i i think you hit the nail on the head it's like such an awkward time i mean i'm 25 so (laughs) nearly there (laughs) but like watching watching people you like grew up with or are friends with have like super high paying jobs and then like there's you who is just like a struggling artist (laughs) And you're just like, where am I supposed to be? And Francis has no idea where she's supposed to be. And also like, no, like we can talk all day about how frustrating she is as a character and, you know, like her, the downsides of her, but also like nobody in her life is being honest with her. Not at all. Because they're all also living in delusions slash they don't want to be rude. Like someone should have told her in her modern dance company that she wasn't talented enough to be a professional dancer. Precisely. And like her friend shouldn't just talk her up just because she's her friend, you know? No, I think, I think a lot of this movie is, is a weird dance of like dishonesty and almost like denial. A dance, you say? A dance. Like a modern dance? A modern dance. <laughs> um, I was dancing around earlier in my living room trying to like recreate the fucking like ending choreography scene that is literally terrible. It's not good. It's not good uh, because all they're doing is like waving their arms around and like running and like touching each other. It's super fucking if weird. If you're a modern dancer, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. Um, But I don't know. Like it's just there's so much denial in this film. Mm-hmm. Um, But and I think the reason why I hate it is because it's so close to like me. Yeah. And so close to a lot of people. Yeah. And that's why you hate Frances so much because she's irritating as shit because she's all the worst parts of us. Yeah. She's like the back and forth and the flightiness and the and the denial and the desperation and the need to be validated because in, in this society, like they only care about what you're putting out, like yeah. what advances you have, what promotions you have, where you're going, who you're with how famous you get you know all this crap and she's she just represents all of those thoughts and like all of those like flying up to the moon and like not even reaching the stars yeah no you're you're so right like we can scream all we want when she says that she just got like a, a new credit card so she's gonna charge a trip to paris on it truly 
like we can hate her for that, but also we've all thought about it. Yep. We've all gone. Well, it wants me to spend a thousand dollars. So I'm going to spend a thousand dollars. I'm just going to spend a thousand dollars. I'm just going to go on a trip that I 100% can't afford because I can't afford my own rent. Absolutely. So, yeah. Um, I think, you know, back to just Greta's performance in general, I think the way she embodied Francis's character literally yeah. in like her body language. So just like always kind of being a little tense and like really unsure of herself. Yeah. Uh, I thought it was just beautiful. And like the way she danced was so bad. But, you know, you can tell that like Greta Gerwig is not necessarily the most graceful person on the planet. Sure. And that translated really well for her character. Yeah. No, um, I, I agree with that. Yeah, you're right. Someone should have fucking told her she sucks ass. <laughs> it would have saved her so much heartache. Watch, we're just like super wrong in Francis Haas about someone who's like a fairly decent dancer, but like just can't get a break. <laughs> no, she's fucking, no, she's fucking bad. She bad, she's she bad. bad. She bad. Not, and not in the good, bad way. Like, not she's like, like a bad. she bad, but like. <laughs> like she's bad. She's, uh, but yeah, no, I think, um, I think that this movie unfortunately really resonated with me yeah that's how i felt about it like i re- i turned it off and i was like i really really liked that movie but also like god i hated everything that happened I know. in that movie um the positive things i will say though yeah uh the comedic timing was impeccable oh so on, good with all parties involved mm-hmm. so fucking good uh greta's like deadpan like expressions the whole fucking time yeah that shit got me going like Greta Gerwig is painfully ordinary yes like ordinary as fuck you know obviously Greta Gerwig is a beautiful woman but somehow in this film they made her look even more ordinary and like she could literally blend into a wall Mm -hmm. like at times because the film is is in black and white I like kind of like sometimes she would just blend into a scene for me yeah and i think that was part of it like i really do i think that that was part of the whole thing was they wanted to make her as painfully ordinary as as humanly possible yeah i i feel the exact same way and that's why like there are moments where she does really like stand out to me which is why i like those moments so much more um in comparison to the rest of the movie like as soon as she meets adam driver and um joel from the <laughs> and michael Zeger. Uh, what is his name even in the in the movie i think it's like billy or it's something? no it's bernie bernie billy, billy bernie bernie <laughs> something with a b i'm gonna go with okay let's make a bet i'm gonna go with bernie you're gonna go with billy whoever gets like who's a whoever's the closest gets wins what? i don't know uh, validation uh, okay. uh, on brand i don't know we're searching please hold okay benji benji, benji. i was the closest whatever <laughs> um, anyway so benji i think as soon as adam driver and benji's character get introduced and she like goes to their apartment for that and they like have dinner and she's like cooking for them and shit like it's really vague because she was going on a date with adam driver i know and then like nothing happens between them and she ends up living there it's so bizarre so and they bizarre. like have her do dance moves for them <laughs> and at first you're like are they making fun of her but they don't really react they just kind of like clap and so you're like maybe they're not do they just also like are these also i think they're also just men who thrive off of absurdity i agree 
I agree. And the reason being is like they're just a couple of like dickwads living in living <gasps> in New York. We've all met those. You know man. them. So like I think like when they're like, oh, like show us a dance. Like yeah. I truly think that they just want to be like entertained and like want to like just cling on to the like a like how absurd everything about it is. I also like, think part of it is they want to experience someone who makes them feel better about themselves. Absolutely. Again, with the val- the whole like validation yeah. thing. Because Every single one. Benji has that whole thing where he's mm-hmm. like, oh, I'm helping. Ri- I'm writing for SNL. I'm going to try and write for SNL. When like he 100% <laughs> is just writing like SNL ideas and he's pretending that he's going to actually be pitching them. Or he's like, I'm I'm writing a screenplay. I'm writing a screenplay, but it's for something like Gremlins 3 or some shit. I know. Some yeah. bullshit. <laughs> He's like, oh, I finally cracked act two of my screenplay. And, you know, Francis Ha is like, oh, Gremlins 3. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I think they're just all these kind of like deadbeats who use each other, who like fake friendship towards each other in a way to like elevate themselves in their own minds. And that's unfortunately very relatable. Absolutely. And I think like, you know, not relatable to everyone but like definitely people who live in cities like new york or los angeles Mm -hmm. where like who you are on paper Mm -hmm. is everything yeah right so like um you know unfortunately that's like sort of where we're at i mean this movie was made in 2012 yeah i think we're fucking still there oh yeah um you know we might even be more there oh absolutely (laughs) we're we're more there uh 2012 didn't end us as a society so we're still here Mm -hmm. um but i just you know it feels really annoying because it's true. Yeah. And I think... I think that's the essence of the movie yeah, here. Is you're fucking annoyed as shit about it. And, you know, it's true. And it, it has a really sweet ending. She sort of gets her life together. And, mm-hmm. you know, her and her friend Sophie sort of make up and realize that they are in a fucking codependent relationship. Yeah. Uh, but Sophie also learns to, like, have a voice within her own romantic relationship, which is a huge part of the movie yeah, as well. Absolutely. So, um, and you know, Francis at the end gets, gets her own apartment, which is like a, a whole big thing. Cause they're at the movie. Yeah. She's like bouncing from place to place. And you know, the reason why it's called Francis ha, 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 ha is because in the end she like writes out her name, you know, that's Francis Halliday and it doesn't fit in the, um, like mail, like mailbox, the, the mailbox slot, like what, what have time, you. Yeah. Uh, and so she folds it and it just says Francis ha. Yeah. And that's the fucking that's roll credits. <laughs> that's the end. Uh, it's a great little ditty. Yeah. I love, I love this movie. Yeah. So let's move to something else. I agree. Equally, um, or not equally, more rooted in Greta Gerwig's, uh, like, strength. Uh, in, like, who she literally is as a person in her life. Yeah. Because um, Frances Ha had like a little bit of that, but this this movie is quite literally all Greta Gerwig knows from her literally. childhood, <laughs> uh, and that movie is Lady Bird. Yeah, baby, uh, a twenty seventeen fucking bop. That's what it is. Uh, written by Greta Gerwig, directed by Greta Gerwig, because she's a boss ass bitch who writes and directs her own shit. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, Christine, eh, a little bit about the film. Christine Lady Bird McPherson, played by Sasha Ronan, <laughs> is a high school senior from the wrong side of the tracks. She longs for adventure, sophistication, and opportunity, but finds none of that in her Sacramento Catholic high school. This movie follows the title character's senior year in high school, including her first romance, 
her participation in the school fucking play, and most importantly, her applying to college, which was very fucking different <laughs> in this time period. <laughs> Super different. Uh, anyway, like, let's get into it. Let's get into it. First thing I want to say, <laughs> I love how much Greta Gerwig and Noah Baumbach nerd out about theater in their films. Oh, yeah. Because... When I saw A Marriage Story, which we will probably cover at some point eventually, but when I saw that episode, probably (laughs) um, when I saw that movie, the fact that there was so much Sondheim in the movie made me like squeal with joy because being alive, (laughs) being alive. Okay, Monica, being alive. (laughs) So... They both are like super into theater and did a lot of theater and Noah Baumbach writes for theater, et cetera, et cetera. I don't know if Greta does. She might. She a playwright? I don't know. I think that bitch is just a theater kid. Anyway, so they're both such theater nerds. And then also I had seen Lady Bird before, but like didn't make note of like how much like the inclusion of (laughs) more theater, even though they like do a musical. So literally what the fuck is wrong? I mean, like I knew that it happened, but I wasn't like, oh, my God. You know, because it, it didn't feel random like it did in A Marriage Story. Oh, right. But anyway, I was like, these two fuckers are like life partners and they both put being alive in their movies. They're such nerds. <laughs> I know. They're such sand heads, as they say. I love it. We love it. We we stand for it. Here. I am one. So it's OK. We both are. Yeah. Uh, and company is is fucking amazing so oh, so good so, so they don't good. do company in ladybird though they do <sighs> merrily we, we roll, roll along, along. <laughs> <laughs> they also do the tempest uh, yeah apparently <laughs> <laughs> and cast Sersha as you the got tempest. cast as the tempest in the tempest that's the titular role it's the titular role <laughs> okay monica Uh, do you like this movie let's start off there first of all i just want to say this was my favorite film released in 2017 um i don't think i knew of saoirse ronan okay (laughs) you didn't like see the lovely bones you're so right or brooklyn I mean, I know no. a lot of people didn't see Brooklyn, but I only saw The Lovely Bones. So, or you're right. The Host, based off of the Stephanie Meyer mo- no, novel. No, fucking Jessica. <laughs> I did not see The Host. Neither did I. It's uh, okay. I guess yeah. So I guess the only other film I've seen Saoirse Ronan in was Lovely Bones. Lovely Bones, uh, another great Tukey film. Oh, by the way, he's so good. Real in that. dark, super fucking dark. Um, but I mean, like, th- like this movie really made me see Saoirse Ronan, and I think Greta's obsession with her is fucking yeah yeah for sure i i get it valid i I get it yeah um oh my god i'm so sorry i'm so sorry i think what's so impressive is like there are very big differences between like youths of uh Uh, yes various countries obviously they're brought up differently Mm -hmm. and so I mean, Saoirse Ronan is technically American in the sense that she was born here, but she was raised in Ireland. So, and she has an Irish accent and her name is Saoirse. So like, we're just going to say she's Irish. Am I saying this in an Irish accent? Yeah, you are. Saoirse Ronan. (laughs) I mean, I can't say if it's a particularly good Irish accent, but it is. The front door. (laughs) It is an accent. Shut your mouth and tuck me into bed, baby. That's fucked up. (laughs) That's so mean. 
Anyway. I'm trying. <laughs> you are trying. <laughs> I recognize that. I honor you and your attempt. Thanks. <laughs> anyway. So like, I think what most impressed me is first off her dialect work, getting rid of that accent of hers. Oh, fuck yeah. <laughs> and second of all, the fact that she was able to play an American teen so well, because there are so many differences. Well, she was directed really well. Yeah. Greta fucking pulled out all the goddamn stops. For exactly. Sersha Ronan. Sorry, I'm going to stop fucking saying her name. Like that. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I'm, I'm the most annoying person on the planet. Uh, Sersha's like, incredible she acts so small does that make sense yeah no she does she acts so small um and i think greta's direction in creating this like perfect not perfect but like perfect representation i guess of the like average sacramento american teen is like Mm -hmm. stupidly spot on (laughs) yeah i mean i do i think i don't think greta had any other choice but to direct as Uh, herself yeah because it was all based off of her life Mm -hmm. um and she decided to set it in the year that she set it in because that's the year she has experience and she doesn't know anything about being a modern teen what year was it set in like 2003 or something something like that or 2002 because it's right 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 after after 9 11 yeah yeah because she makes that that whole thing about how like getting into college would probably be easier because not as many people are applying after 9-11. Oh, God. So terrible. Um, but, you know, yeah. Um, this movie, when I first saw it, I adored it because it feels identical to my life in so many ways. Right. In case you guys didn't know, uh, Jessica went to Catholic school. I went to Catholic school in California, not in Sacramento, in the Valley, but still Catholic school nonetheless. I did theater. I, I have experience with, with like both like I feel a lot like Beanie Feldstein's character in this movie in the sense that I had like a pretty chaotic best friend who was like constantly like trying to like fuck around with like closeted gay boys and also like weird mean soft boys and but I also had like a chaotic relationship with my mother and like I have never seen a movie that more accurately depicts modern mother-daughter relationships than this movie oh yeah like there are so many scenes like the opening scene where they're driving and everything's going amazingly. They, they had just finished the Grapes of Wrath audiobook. Everything's going great. And then all of a sudden they get into a fight and Lady Bird jumps out of the car. And, and then like later where they're dress shopping and they're bickering the whole time they're dress shopping. And then all of a sudden Lori Metcalf pulls out a dress and all of a sudden they're BFFs again. They're like, She's oh my like, God, that dress is amazing. I love that one. Like the, the, <laughs> the. Just like turning on a dime, complete 180 of the dynamic between them. I've like, that's exactly how it is exactly with me and my mother. And then like mm-hmm. the scene where she's laying on, with Lucas Hedges, who is like her first boyfriend in the movie. And she's talking shit about her mom. And he's like, yeah, your mom is really hard on you. And she goes, don't talk badly about my mom. I know. It's so <laughs> fucking funny. Like, I, I just like, I've never been able to identify with a character as much as that. And it doesn't help that someone I went to high school with is also in the fucking movie. Right. Fun fact, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> Jessica, do you want to reveal who this mystery person is? Yeah, I went to school with Laura Morano. Shout out Laura. Uh, I've gone to school with her since I was in elementary school, middle school, high school. She even went to my university, friends. 
Um, I don't know if she graduated from USC, but she did go there briefly. And I like ran into her a few times. Very sweet. But yeah, she's in Ladybird. She has like a little baby cameo. Appearance. Yeah, she's the she's the one who like sits outside of the school. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> she has a couple lines, but like you see her more in the movie. Yeah. So it uh, eerily felt like my high school experience. Yeah, I mean, I <laughs> uh, I can't relate to going to Catholic school. With Laura Morano? With Laura Morano. <laughs> uh, once again, I did not go to that private Catholic school. <laughs> but what I did do was lie on my back in the monastery and eat the Holy Hosts as a snack. <laughs> Oh my God, the fucking line where that girl comes in and she's like, you shouldn't be doing that. And Beanie's just like, it's not consecrated yet. <laughs> it's so fucking funny because it's true because you're like, that's a justification, duh. It's I'm- not the body of Christ until it is consecrated. So shut the fuck up and get out. <laughs> it's so fucking funny because like I was an altar boy. Uh, were you really? I was. I would pay money to see you in that, to see a picture of you. There are like so many pictures of me in my dress. altar boy dress. Like my garments. Yeah. Yeah. With like my little tie. Yeah. I was the one who like always carried the incense. Hell yeah. Girl. My arms were always shaking until like I beefed up when I was like 12. It was good. It, they really put you through it. Yeah. You have to put your arms in the air for so long. I was, <laughs> can you imagine like, I'm like maybe four feet tall. I'm like, <laughs> Holding it's the like cross. Literally, it's literally right by my ankles when it's supposed to be like, by your waist <laughs> uh but anyway yeah uh, to this day if i smell you know if i catch a whiff of incense i like kind of like lose my shit a little <laughs> yeah i'm sure you can also identify with all of like the weird theater shit oh 100 because i also did theater growing up when they start doing the acting exercises oh no <laughs> i lost my shit in the i movie wanted theater. to like bury myself in the ground <laughs> i felt so ashamed in the movie theater i was like oh no the fact that I know what this is and have part mm-hmm. and have actively consensually participated in this. Not only consented, but found it <laughs> beneficial, but said, I think this helps. I think that this will make me better. So I'm going to do this. Like, it's just so stupid. It's so fucking dumb. Oh, but they do it and they create like a, oh, and just the fact that for their, you know, school play for Merrily, we roll along. They're all wearing like different colored t-shirts. Like yes. if that, if that wasn't like the fall festival or like Shakespeare festival mm-hmm. that I went to, that's bullshit. Like that's just or like not- doing D task or some shit. Yeah, just so dumb. Just like. Oh, God. If you don't know what DTAS is, it's a drama festival. I don't know. Is it nationwide? It is nationwide. They do it in different states. Okay, yeah. Uh, But if you guys don't know, like, what it is and, like, what we're referring to. So, like, in the film, they have... They don't really have, like, real costumes or at least not the ensemble. They, like, literally just wear different colored fucking t-shirts and, like, black leggings and, like, dance around the stage. And when you're in theater you know the colored t-shirt too well yeah <laughs> like it's, it's for the it's for the theater company that can't afford costumes essentially and like if you're wearing red you're like the bad guy yeah if you're wearing yellow you're like the ray of sunshine with the heart of gold <laughs> if you're wearing green you're like the like best friend to the ingenue who's wearing pink like that's mm-hmm. just that's just theater and i love how they incorporated that because like their school is even though it's like a private catholic school it's still like it's kind of run down Mm -hmm. it's not the greatest it's i think the it's old it's just old yeah Yeah. 
Like a lot of Sacramento. But it's great. Um, <laughs> I just love like when the when the show finally happens and the priest who like put on the show is sitting outside and oh, he's bless him. sad because like nobody got it. Which is like I know. Which fun fact is how the the like public received Marilyn Monroe along when like the actual play premiered on Broadway. People like didn't get it and didn't like it. <laughs> <laughs> that's just that's just so fucking funny, that's but also so, like so sweet, so sweet. Um, and that you know, this film tackles, I think, mental health in a really honest way. Like anyone can suffer, mm-hmm. um, including that priest that we were just talking about, who directs the who directs the the you know, the plays at the, the school. Musical, yeah. um, and he, you know, in this movie, Ladybird's mother works as like a a nurse at a um, like psychiatric hospital, mm-hmm. and she is constantly surrounded by people who are depressed or need assistance or are just like really going through it or like have a mental mental illness and um when you understand that like when you get to that point in the film like you get sort of where she's coming from yeah and the fact that like she has to work late nights and it's like really difficult and it's hard work and it's taxing work and it's it's just interesting to see like her perspective and where she came from yeah versus like you know, as, as you know, poor or like lower middle class as her family is like, she still has so much privilege, like not having to endure what her mom is going through every yeah. day. Like her mom doesn't come home and like talk about it. Obviously uh, one, because she can't mm-hmm. two, because she just doesn't have that kind of relationship with her daughter. Yeah. Um, but anyway, this priest who's directing the school play, um, you know, happens to go to, to need to go see, uh, Lady Bird's mom at the psychiatric hospital and he just seems really depressed and I think at that point in the movie like I sort of like burst into tears because I was like oh my god like there are so many you know different people who are suffering and and the fact that this movie even touched on it was really kind of heartbreaking and just throughout the film in general like with Lady Bird's then boyfriend who turned out to be gay he was so unbelievably sad all the time and Mm -hmm. you never figured out why and you couldn't understand why he was just so constantly down and depressed and upset and like you know really fucking going through it and like you realize he's gay and you know when he finally comes to where ladybird's working and he's like i'm so fucking sorry he just like bursts into tears because he's like no one's gonna understand i haven't told anyone and i'm sorry that i had to hurt you in the process yeah i think this movie has a lot to do with like like even timothy chalamet's character who's a fucking asshole it this (laughs) movie is all about like people trying to be who they think they need to be or like trying to be adult too quickly and like not just experiencing their their adolescence um or just like being who they want to be it's all about like what they think they need to be doing because he's just like this dick of a guy who like only reads like pretentious novels and like (laughs) won't get a cell phone and like it's he's just he's that guy we've all we've all met him we've all probably hooked up with him like he's terrible You know it's true, Monica. You know this guy. You I've know dated him. this guy. You've dated this guy. Oh yeah. You listening have dated this guy. He's just a he's just a pretentious prick. Yeah, they're just people who like preach 
they preach honesty because they're like, there's nothing honest in this world. We just have to be honest. And you're like, you're not even being honest with yourself. I know. You don't even know who the fuck you are. But like nobody in this movie does. No. And then you, uh, you know, Lady Bird goes over to his house and like loses her virginity to him. Mm -hmm. Stupidly, I might Mm -hmm. add. And, you know, his, I'm assuming it's his father who's like really ill and like needs like oxygen tanks and is like there. And it's only like a brief moment that the camera is like on him. While Lady Bird is like staring at him and she just like leaves. Yeah, like, he's just like downstairs, like passed out in the mm-hmm. living room. And it's very much like a, oh, okay, well, this is a little bit too real for me. So I'm going to zip the fuck out. Yeah, because a, a lot of this movie is like, re- like too real versus like fake too real. Yeah. If that makes sense. Like a lot of this movie is just like, oh, I want to be real and raw and honest and grow up. Or, or grown up mm-hmm. and actually when you get to the real raw honest stuff they hate it because yeah. they're kids because they're 17 like that's why yeah like that's why i think ladybird going by ladybird is a really part of important part of the movie mm-hmm. because she's like just let me like do my teenager thing for now and then when she does go to college she introduces herself as christine yep and so she's like okay i think that's a really nice symbolic way of being like okay now i'm ready to like be myself and when she finally gets quote-unquote like what she wants Mm -hmm. and she's like able to apply to college and like go to nyu you know despite like all the literal sacrifices that her parents have to make to get her there yeah she's there and she's like this is all too real for me like she ends up in the hospital because she like drank too much she's like uh, she's kind of really sad she doesn't like the people like it it gets to be too much too fast and i think that that is such a relatable story because a lot of people at that age think, oh, I hate where I live. Mm-hmm. I want to leave. Everything is stupid. Everyone is stupid, including my parents. And I just want to get the fuck out of here. Yeah. And I think that's really detrimental to your health, like to your mental health, because then you're always just constantly running away from something. Yeah. Yeah. And she, like, cannot believe that anyone would be okay staying in Sacramento. Like, her best friend, um, I think her name is Julie in the movie, but it's played by Beanie Feldstein. Yeah. Um, it, She's just going to go to, like, Sacramento Community College for now and just, mm-hmm. like, live there and figure things out. And Lady Bird is, like, like cannot fathom. Like, she's like, you're so dumb. <laughs> yeah. Like, she puts herself above other people because she wants something different. Mm-hmm. Um. And, like, doesn't think that sacra- like staying in Sacramento is, like, growing. She's like, oh, that's the opposite of growth. That's, like, staying where you are. That's yeah. awful. But in reality, it's like, you could, you have to understand, like, at that age, everything's moving at, like, fucking lightning speed. Yeah. And to, ca- to be able to catch your breath for even a moment mm-hmm. is, like, so essential. And yeah. so, like, there, I remember they're in the pool, uh, Lady Bird and <laughs> the, like, hot chick Jenna. of the school jenna i'm like doing like a body <laughs> roll as i say this uh because she's supposed to be like the bad bitch girl like the she's one. like the popular girl she's like the popular girl but they're like in the pool and ladybird's like oh like uh you know they're just like having a casual conversation and you know they get on the subject of like what they're gonna do like after high school and um jenna's like oh i like i want to i want to i want my daughters to go to sacred heart yeah like i want to stay in sacramento i love it here like I, I want to be here. I want my daughters to like do this. So like, this is what I want. And Lady Bird literally is like, that's like, you can tell she's like, that's the dumbest shit I've ever heard. Yeah. Uh, which a lot of this movie is just her fighting against that feeling of, of, well, maybe I do. I do think that this place is pr- 
pretty and I do love my mom and I do love my brother and I do love my dad. And like, she's always fighting against that. Yeah. I think it, um, it hits really hard on like this thing where teenagers especially, but I mean, it can extend past that. Like you're afraid of like confessing how much you like love and appreciate your parents and where you come from because you, you perceive that as like a sign of weakness or a sign that's like, you're not developing your own identity when in fact, like having that, and this, like, this is the main point of the feud between her and her mom, Lori Metcalf, who gives like an unbelievable a performance. Stellar performance. She's one of the best parts of the movie. Um, is that like, this movie has so much to do with like that middle ground that sits between parents and children where they don't want to confess as to like how similar they actual actually are because of like pride or whatever, or like, because they don't want to sacrifice who they think that they really are. When in reality, if they could just like cross that middle ground, there would be so much more happiness. And I think that's where mm-hmm. the freedom would come from to be like who they really are. If mm-hmm. that makes any sense. No, that makes sense. Like when, uh, that makes perfect sense. And I think a good example of this is when, um, Lady Bird is, is leaving. And mm-hmm. ov- obviously like there is this enormous rift between her and her mom that got even bigger because she applied to college and um, got waitlisted at NYU, didn't tell her mom, didn't tell her mom that she and her dad were applying for financial aid, didn't tell her mom that she was like going to NYU until fucking graduation when like she was already going to go, it was already going to happen, like her dad was already in on it. Uh, And obviously her mom felt super left out and like obviously lied to because she she was lied to. Um, and you just see her shut the fuck down and like not speak to Lady Bird at all throughout the, throughout the rest of the film. Yeah. Which I found to be such an incredible choice, uh, by, you know, on Greta Gerwig's part, because like throughout the rest of the film, you feel the same feelings that Lady Bird is feeling Mm -hmm. because you're like, holy shit. Like her mom hasn't spoken to her this entire time. It's like 15 minutes later. She's still not talking to her. Yeah, like, And it's supposed to be like the rest of the summer. She doesn't yeah. speak to her until the day she leaves for like, college. This bitch like works at her job. The summer passes. Mm-hmm. She gets her driver's license. She's like driving around Sacramento. Like this bitch is going through her whole summer and her mom won't speak to her. Yeah. And it is only uh, when she gets to the airport that her mom like still super stone cold will not speak to her daughter and they just cannot cross to that fucking middle ground where they're both like we're secretly gonna miss each other yeah they just can't do it because of pride or or whatnot it's so heartbreaking like i cry every time i watch that scene where laurie metcalf is driving away from the airport Mm -hmm. and she's like fine and then she realizes like what she's doing and she realizes that if she doesn't turn back, she's not going to see her daughter again until she comes home for like the holidays, which is crazy. And you see her like processing this and then she freaks out and she starts like sobbing and fig- trying to figure out how to get back to the airport. And in she time. makes that U-turn and she makes the U-turn and she doesn't make it back in time. Ladybird has already left. And it's so sad because I have something weird in me about like seeing parents get sad in movies I don't know if it comes from like seeing my own parents get sad, but it makes me really sad when I see like a mom being so like hurt by her child or like a dad being so hurt by their child. Like that just like really gets me for some reason. Yeah. And so, Um, oh, that scene. I mean, speaking of that, like I think that a lot of children don't or like just kids, I guess in general, Mm -hmm. don't understand like that their actions directly affect their parents. Yeah. And 
you know, Greta's decision to like include the line in the film of like when uh, Lady Bird's mom is talking to Lady Bird and Lady Bird's like, I fucking need new clothes, bitch. Like, get me new clothes. She didn't say it like that. Yeah. uh, She's like, you know, your, your father lost his job. Yeah. You know, your father feels this way. You you know, you constantly complaining about your life, about how we're not giving you a good enough life is hurting our feelings. Like you don't understand this. But you're being an asshole to us. Mm-hmm. We are doing everything we can to make sure you even have a uniform to go to school. And you're being a prick. Yeah, <laughs> like, no, totally. Uh, which, you know what? Like, not a lot of parents do that. And the fact that Greta Gerwig decided to include that in the story at all is so different and so just, it was so fucking good. Like, I was sitting in the movie theater and I was like, this shit was a fucking choice and I'm here for it. I would, you know, if, if people's parents were honest with them and they were like, you're being an asshole right now, like, yeah. please. Well, I think it was especially important because of their socioeconomic level. Like they don't have the money for it to be a luxury that like their kid is just rude. You know what I mean? No. Yeah. There's no fucking, there's, because, there's like, no room. If they don't like when, like when Ladybird comes home from the dance and she hasn't put her clothes away and her mom's like, put your clothes away and she gets pissed off and she goes, didn't you ever like come home from a dance and you like your mother and you didn't put your clothes away and your mother got mad at you? Like, don't you know how this feels? And she's like, my mother was an alcoholic. Like, shut the fuck up. <laughs> like, shut up. Not only that, but like. <laughs> When she's talking about like having her like uniform on the floor, she's like, mm-hmm. your, uni- your uniform has to look really fucking good because your father needs a job. Your father needs to ask the other richer kids at your school, like their parents for a job. Yeah. And if you show up as the smelly kid or the kid with the stains on their clothes, that's not going to fucking happen. And this is like where it sort of goes back to like being the like this is too real too raw for a 17 year old Mm -hmm. versus the fake too real too raw which is like losing your virginity and like kissing a boy and like yeah you know trying cigarettes like that's like the real Mm -hmm. adult quote-unquote adult stuff that she is keeping in mind but like the stuff that her mom is trying to like put on her is like no like this is the real adult shit that you just have to get through and Ladybird is like not fucking having it. Yeah. And that is so un- obviously unfortunately relatable. Yeah. At that age, you don't give a fuck. You're like, I don't care. I want that pink sparkly top from Justice. I don't know. I don't know what year this is. But, Justice. Uh, I want that pink sparkly top from Justice. I don't give a fuck. Like, I don't care who has to pay for it. I just need it now. Like, that's the whole mentality. Yeah. No, totally. I agree. I mean, and I think that's what separates it from a lot of teen movies other teen movies yeah the the focus on the parents is so perfect because when you do when we do figure out more about ladybird's parents like Mm -hmm. you know when her dad's trying to find a job and he goes for the same fucking job as his own son yeah and he knows he's gonna fucking get it because like they want like younger they want faster Mm -hmm. they want better like and that's not him like that was such that was such an incredible moment in the film yeah because i I was like oh fuck like i know exactly what's happening here yeah and this was so intentional and so good greta gerwig is a fantastic bravo greta we love her we obviously love lady bird i know (laughs) lady bird is so good it's also just a personal film i think for a lot of people yeah just because again of like the the focusing in on what the parents want focusing in on what the kids want and like not being able to meet in the middle like you said like it's very relatable yeah it is so should roll in (laughs) Mm-hmm. <laughs>
That was Lady Bird. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we obviously love that movie. We obviously fucking adore that movie. We also, you know, if you didn't notice, we did not go into everything. And I think a lot of that was, you know, we'd have to dedicate the whole fucking episode to it. Yeah. There's a lot to unpack about this movie, about the different relationships in it. Mm-hmm. And, that, you know, that is just truly a testament to how brilliantly, brilliantly this movie was written mm-hmm. by the queen bitch Greta Gerwig. Greta. Uh, and you know, well, you know, email us if you have any questions because <laughs> we, yeah, if you have, like, I think that's a good, another good example of a question you could have. If you have a further question about something about a movie, like, what did you think about this character? What did you think about this plot line? Blah, 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 blah. You can ask us. Yeah. Let us know. If you care about our opinions. I'm assuming you do if you're listening. Yeah. If you're listening, listen on. Um, <laughs> anyway, yeah. We'll get into the, the the last and final movie, which is a lot more straightforward because yeah. it's an ad- adaptation. So there's only so much we can comment on. Exactly. But uh, it's Little Women. Little Women. Am I little the only women. one who, whenever I read that, I think of it in the tune of Pretty Women from Sweeney Todd? I do it. <laughs> Little women, little women Ooh. dancing, <laughs> pouring coffee. Fun fact, everyone: a year ago, Monica directed me. It's true, and Sweeney Todd, and she played a stupidly amazing Mrs. Lovett. Like, <laughs> oh shucks, thanks. fucking brilliant. <laughs> little women, everybody. Little Women, made in 2019, written for the screen by Greta Gerwig, based on the novel by Louisa May Alcott. Directed by Greta Gerwig because she's the boss ass bitch. She's a boss ass <laughs> bitch who writes and directs her own shit. So here's a little summary of Little Women. In the years after the Civil War, Joe March, played by Saoirse Ronan, lives in New York City and makes her living as a writer, while her sister Amy March, played by Florence Pugh, studies painting in Paris. Amy has a chance encounter with Theodore Laurie Lawrence, played by Timothy Chalamet, a childhood crush who proposed to Joe but was ultimately rejected. Their oldest sibling, Meg March, played by Emma Watson, is married to a schoolteacher, while shy sister Beth Eliza Scanlon develops a devastating illness that brings the family back together. So this movie spans... A lot of time. So much time. From basically, essentially childhood into mid-adulthood? Yeah. I I think they start when the oldest sister is 16 Mm -hmm. and it ends like eight years later. Yeah. Um, And so the the summary that we gave, or that's kind of the summary of events that is the catalyst for telling the story of Little Women. But it then goes back in time to show them when they're a bit younger. Um, I think the youngest sister, played by Florence Pugh, is supposed to be like 12. Uh, Amy. Amy. What are my favorite part of the movie? Her, her performance. Oh, she was phenomenal in that film. But the youngest sister is Beth. No, she's the second youngest. Amy is the youngest. Beth is a year older. You're so fucking right, bro. <laughs> I'm like, I, I had to. I had to Google it. Because I wanted to know their exact ages. And at the beginning of it, Amy is 12. Beth is 13. You're so right. Joe is 15. And Meg, Meg is, is 16. 16. I keep forgetting how like close in age they are. Because in my yeah. mind, in my mind, Beth is an infant. I mean, <laughs> you have to remember, it was the 1800s. <laughs> they be uh, reproducing. They be young. <laughs> they be fucking. They be so- <laughs> <laughs> they be fucking. In this case, the two people who be fucking are Laura Dern and Bob Odenkirk. Yeah, Marmy. <laughs> uh, who, like, 
Okay, this is my one bone to pick with this movie. I'm going to bring it up right now. Go ahead. I don't think Laura Dern, Bob Odenkirk, or Meryl Streep, I'm sorry to say, really added anything to the movie by being in it. Um, I don't think so either. I think that like they were all fine. Like Meryl Streep was Meryl Streep, but like they weren't in enough for it to be impactful. So like, I don't know, did y'all just cast him because it looked good on like a on the poster i'm gonna be honest yes <laughs> <laughs> i worked directly with this film and i'm gonna I'm say yes monica was a pa on little women Fuck for you. those who didn't know <laughs> Full, like no i was not she was not just in case you want to like go fucking imdb that shit no um uh it was a yoke we we yoke here um uh you're right you're absolutely correct i think i mean laura dern is a fantastic actor period point blank mm-hmm. uh but in this she didn't really lend too much no i think the role of marmy like in this adaptation of little women marmy which what a dumb fucking name i'm so sorry louisa may alcott but (laughs) (laughs) marmy marmalade in this adaptation of it it wasn't really about marmy and she's been included more in other adaptations like susan sarandon in the 90s version um i think she had more of like an impact on the story itself but in this one, she delivers like one line that I think is really important to the movie, which is when um, it's right after Amy falls through the ice and oh, yeah. she's like laying in bed and uh, Saoirse Ronan feels like really bad about it because she got really pissed at her sister right before this. Because she burned her pages. Yeah, because fucking Florence Pugh threw her novel into the fire. Like a little so asshole. Sad. Although, <laughs> I can, if you have any siblings, like, <laughs> I can relate. God. So, she falls through the ice, and then Saoirse Ronan's like, oh my god, I'm so, I'm so sad that, like, I was saying I was gonna be mad at her forever, blah, mm-hmm. blah, 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 blah. And Marmy, Laura Dern, is basically just like, like it happens don't worry about it we all get mad and Sarsha's like I never see you get mad and she goes I'm mad nearly every day of my life Mm -hmm. and I think that moment is really really important for the entire movie about like expectations of women Mm -hmm. about like emotions of women Mm -hmm. etc etc and I think it teaches Saoirse Ronan's character a lot but besides that moment I do not think Marmee the aunt the dad were really that important (laughs) not at all this story is about the march sisters period i think it could have been done without any of the other characters except for lori (laughs) i think lori gave him who is played by timothy chalamet lori uh lori i think lori was is incredibly important to the story in general especially amy's story yeah like i wrote this in my notes when she sees him in paris and I think this was a really, really smart move when it came to how they filmed it. Like mm-hmm. time literally slowed down when Amy saw Lori and it, it didn't slow down when Joe and Lori met. Yeah. Which I think is indicative to like who was whose actual true love. Truly. Because you think it's going to be Lori and Joe the whole time, but it's actually Amy and Lori. Mm-hmm. Um so yeah, yeah it's, that's that just good fucking filmmaking. Yeah, right? like that was just smart <laughs> yeah, filmmaking. That's just good filmmaking. Uh, I think, first of all, the the only things that we can really truly discuss, or not discuss, but like just really talk about, uh, that's not like the fucking plot, because, you know, that's a Louisa May Alcott. <laughs> that's, all, that's all you, baby. Um, but just the performances in this fucking film yeah. are to literally die for mm-hmm. i think that obviously the strongest of the bunch i think florence Pugh and sir sharon gave 
unbelievable performances. Yeah. The other ones were good too. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the other ones were also good. Timothy Chalamet has some really impressive moments. Like when he goes to the New Year's Eve ball at the beginning. Yes. And I thought that the way that Greta Gerwig decided to structure the timeline of this story was very, very interesting because she put a lot of the negative shit first, which is interesting because usually it goes the mm-hmm. other way around yeah. where a character will start off good and then you'll see the bad later. Mm-hmm. But you you get exposed to Laurie's bad right away. Oh, yeah. Um, And you see him in Paris and he goes to the New Year's Eve ball to meet Amy there. And he basically gets super drunk and like act and like has a tantrum and like throws his drink all over the dance floor. I know. And I've never seen that kind of Timothy Chalamet. He's usually just like, I'm quiet and whatever. I don't care about anything. I'm going to wear a hoodie. (laughs) (laughs) But he's actually like really upset and like being really belligerent. Passionate. yeah, Yeah. And I that was a really impressive moment to me. Uh, Yeah. I think just right off the bat, this is a different adaptation of Little Women that I think is incredibly personal to Greta Gerwig. Yeah. Um, no one else could have done, no one else could have chosen the moments that she did because this is a thicky. This book mm-hmm. is a thick baby book. Uh, yeah, it navigates time really. Slowly, there's a lot of time. There's a lot of description. There's a lot of like floral words and just crazy shit happening in this book. And also dealing with like the literal appearance of how girls when they age. Mm-hmm. Because like in the 90s one, they had Kirsten Dunst play her when she's young, when Amy's young, and then have a different actor play her when she's older. Yeah. Uh, but in this film, Greta Gerwig chose not to do that. She yeah. chose to have all four actresses play themselves, young and old. Literally, deadass. Like, they just put Florence Pugh in pigtails. <laughs> they put her in, like, little braids and gave her bangs. And the fucking woman is was, I think, like, 23 when she filmed the movie. And it worked! And she's playing a 12-year-old. And, like, does she look 12? No. Did I believe she was 12? Yes. Yes. She was absolutely incredible. And I think by Greta doing that and like sort of rearranging the time space continuum Mm -hmm. with this film and the story and the plotline, like I think it all proved to tell the story better than a lot of the other adaptations I've seen. Yeah. It also just kind of said it it was very self-aware in that like, I'm a movie. I'm not real life. So I can yeah. do these things. And Absolutely. I think that's what people forget about movies a lot of the time. They're like, no, I want it to be exactly how it's going to be in real life. And it's like, well, it's not real life. It's a movie. It's a fucking movie, bitch. And you, and you know that. So like, don't worry about it. No. And I think that um, just the simple choice of having the actresses play themselves throughout the entire thing made it a lot more honest. Like yeah. the way that they aged was, you know, obviously a lot of it was makeup. A lot of it was posture. A lot of it was character, like clothes, character acting yeah. in clothes. Like it had to be put, like a lot of work had to be put in by the actresses themselves. Mm-hmm. And I think that was just a more honest telling of it because if you have two different actresses doing the same role, like they could be interpreting them very differently and seeing the journey you know, piece by piece with each one of these girls was so interesting to watch with the exact same actress doing it, you know, yeah. in in and out. So 10 out of 10, a preach to Greta Ger. Yeah, no, I, I love that part of the movie. Also, this movie says a lot about being a woman, a lot about like, it's a very interesting brand of feminism, this movie, that I think is like not super popular, but I think is much more honest in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. 
because when you see the trailer for this movie, they included the scene with Saoirse Ronan where she's saying like, (laughs) women have Uh, hearts and and souls. And and, you know the scene. (laughs) The one that's like a meme now. Exactly. But like, that's just one part of the message because there's also a very poignant scene with Meg on the day she's getting married. Mm Mm-hmm. And Joe is basically saying, like, why do you have to get married? Just, like, stay with us. Why do you want to be a like be a, a wife? wife? Like, like, what's what, wrong with you? What is so good about, like, being a servant to a husband? Like, what the fuck yeah. is that bullshit? And Meg is saying, like, uh, she says, just because my dreams aren't the same as yours doesn't mean they're unimportant. Mm-hmm. And, like, I think that that's a really, it's not a super popular form of feminism right now to say, like, no, I want to be a wife and I want to be a mom. And I'm consciously making this decision and I know it goes along with it, but like, this is my dream. You can also have your dream and mine is different from yours, but it's equally as important. And that part wasn't in the trailer. So I don't think people really thought that that's what they were getting. Mm -hmm. But Greta Gerwig is very careful to basically say like, no, women can do it all. They can be both. They're multifaceted creatures Mm -hmm. who can want to be domesticated or they cannot want to. And Mm -hmm. both are fine and both are valid. And we're honoring both in this movie. Yeah. And I think that Florence Pugh's performance as Amy, Mm -hmm. that was also part of that, that version of feminism. That was also like, these are my dreams. These are my goals. If I, if the biggest thing that I accomplished in life is marrying Lori, then that's that. Like, that's my biggest goal. That's my biggest dream. You know, I don't have to be like, this insane writer because like joe obviously represents like the free-spirited yeah uh more like grounded much more like like i'm me and like the take it or leave it kind of person and like mm-hmm. she represents like the form of fem- form of feminism that's like very anti anti-establishment and like anti-marriage yeah. anti-family not necessarily anti-family in the sense of like fuck family but like in the sense of she doesn't necessarily have like express a desire to have children she doesn't express a desire to get married she doesn't, she doesn't express desire to serve a husband mm-hmm. um but i think that amy holds her own in that like she's always treated as as less than because she cares about like fancy things yeah or she cares about looking beautiful or like feeling pretty yeah um and i think that this movie and the way that florence Pugh carried amy was like you know what this is who I am. I'm not going to apologize for loving, like for spending more time with Aunt March and going to Paris and loving finer things and like wanting to be rich and wanting to be happy. Like, you know, Meg's goal was not to be rich and not to have finer things in life. Her goal was to, to you know, marry a man that she loved and yeah. like, that was good enough for her. But for Amy, like on the flip side, you could want things like you could want materialistic things and not, be branded as selfish or vain like yeah because amy is just seeing marriage as a transaction which is exactly what it was at the time exactly and I she mean, wanted to marry up moving more towards like love marriage than prior years but like it was still very much a time about like being strategic and she says that line to Lori in her art studio where she's like i always knew i was going to marry rich i don't know why i have to apologize for that precisely so i i think that this movie really opens up another door within the Mm -hmm. same vein of like if it's okay to be the person who wants to marry rich it's okay to be the person who you know wants finer things and doesn't want to always live in a life of poverty and doesn't always want to be that person like she if she wants to be someone else she can she has agency she has her own power she has her own mind her own thoughts her own talents like 
that's another form of it. And I love that Greta Gerwig decided to make Amy's character so strong. Yeah. Uh, and casting Florence Pugh was fucking amazing. Like that was that was genius. She was <laughs> unbelievable. She had not. She, I mean, in general, Florence Pugh has not done much. No, she. I think she's done like three movies, probably. I mean, now <laughs> she's gonna. I mean, she's done some like shorts and things like that. But like feature films, not that many lands this fucking role, and like absolutely blows it out of the water, it. and is a twenty-four-year-old with an Oscar nomination, like. And she deserved it. She deserved that nomination. Her whole speech in that art studio is incredible. Though I did read about how Meryl Streep apparently fed the lines to Greta Gerwig to write them. Did you read about this? I did not, but I I fucking believe it. Apparently Meryl Streep was like watching the scene happen or something. I don't know if it was a rehearsal or what, but she like said to Greta, like women were still considered property at the time. Like marriages were a business transaction. And if a woman wanted any power the only way to not have power was to not get married but if you didn't get married you also didn't have anything so in order to have anything you had to get married but it still wasn't your own and so Greta was like oh my god and then like wrote lines down gave them to Florence Pugh and then a few minutes later they shot the scene fuck yeah so Meryl is to be credited so I guess she was important to have in the movie (laughs) I love how we're making our own character arc within this this podcast (laughs) um but yeah I just you know and obviously Saoirse Ronan her just performance in general was so like fiery and passionate and she does that so well yeah yeah that's who like joe is and i mean the thing is is i'm really unfamiliar with the concept of sisterhood like i hear you i don't have sisters i have brothers and it's very different it's very different i also only have brothers Um, and i also think there's something to say for like if you only have one sibling as opposed to many Mm -hmm. and like i have three brothers but i only ever lived with one of them so like this whole their whole dynamic is super foreign but like this movie made it feel a lot less foreign like i understand sisters now and sisterhood and you know things like that where like you hate them but you love them like i was never able to identify with that but now i can thanks greta yeah thanks greta and thanks (laughs) and thanks for telling us that like you know being a woman means probably five million different things and they're all okay yeah especially because i think when we when you watch this i don't know if you identified with any of the characters individually but there were like parts of all of them that i identified with me too um, because I was like, oh, you know, I like, I don't feel like a Joe. I don't like, I'm definitely not a Meg, blah, blah, blah. But I'm like, but this thing about them, I really identify with. And then like Beth, we haven't even talked about Beth. It's hard to talk about Beth because truly the reason she's there is to be like a moral compass. Compass. Yeah. Because everyone does always say like, Beth is so good. Beth is so good. Why can't I be sweeter like Beth? Yeah. And of course she fucking dies. Yeah, of course they had to fucking kill <laughs> um, Beth. But also, n- not only that, I, I mean, I don't necessarily mean that she's a moral compass, but she's like the glue of the family. Mm-hmm. So when she dies, it brings everyone together because they've all lost the same thing. Yeah. Um, they're able to like agree on one thing finally. And yeah. And no matter what. So like, you know, all of Beth's work with like the less fortunate, like everyone wishes like they could be like her, but they're simply not. And they mm-hmm. sort of have to be okay with that. Yeah. Um. You know, and I think that Beth is sort of there to show a different way to give 
and a yeah. different way to live and a different way to see the world. And I think that, you know, there is beauty and simplicity and that's who Beth is. She's just a simple woman who like under girl, woman, girl. Yeah. She dies at she the like age of like 14. 21. Oh, 21. <laughs> Cause she's 13 when the movie again, starts and dies in my mind, later. she's like a baby. So. <laughs> For some reason, Beth always feels like a baby. Even when Claire Danes played her, like I was like so hmm, crazy child you're uh, like nine right <laughs> but anyway it's just the way that she's written so like innocent yeah. sweet pure uh simplicity is beautiful and I think that Beth sort of symbol symbolizes that and mm-hmm. it's like you know caring about people is cool <laughs> caring about other people is cool yeah because she has these sisters who want so much out of their lives but like they want things outside of themselves and Beth is the one who's like I really like living with mother and father. I really like just playing the piano. I really like just being with my family. Like, oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna sew some slippers for the for the, the grandpa next door. Across like, the way. and that's not it's not everyone's cup of tea. No, uh, and it's not it's not everyone's code, right? It's like not how people live. Yeah, but it's you know again the number one takeaway from this movie for me was. You can, there's 5 million different ways to be a woman mm-hmm. and every single one of them is perfect. Yeah. And the way that Beth decides to be a woman and, and lives her life and like mm-hmm. lives her code is these are the things that make me happy. This, these are the people I want to serve and this is what makes me a woman. Yeah. And I love that shit. Me too. Eat that shit up. I have a, I have a closing question for you, Monica, about this movie. Yeet. Do you like the end when joe ends up with friedrich um or do you think that discounts everything she said through the movie no no to your second question (laughs) yeah i it's not that i like i don't like it and i and i do like it it's it's like not necessarily like i don't like it because of my own personal like uh like my whole life i was like taught like this is the one brand of feminism and it's yeah yeah, yeah. you know and as as and as intersectional as i want that to be that's still like a little voice in the back of my head that's like marriage is bad and like men are bad you say as a married woman to a man exactly but that no (laughs) but that is exactly my point yeah women are allowed to change their minds yeah period yeah like joe could be or to want both or to fucking want both and that is okay yeah and that is perfect. I know a lot of people get mad at this movie for that. And um, I and I and I hate that they get mad at it for that because yeah. quite frankly like that's the point of the fucking movie. Joe is allowed to change her mind. Mm-hmm. Joe is allowed to be like, "You know what? 5 years ago I would have fucking slit my throat for <laughs> for marrying a guy that I loved." Yeah. But you know what? I can be different and that's okay. And I can still write, I can still write my novels and I can still write it under my own name and I can still like write love stories or ghost stories or happy stories or sad stories. Like I can still do all of it and change my mind about marriage and that's all okay. And that's why I like the, the, the ending of the film. I agree. I feel the exact same way. Also the guy who plays Friedrich is fucking hot. He's a dad. He's like upsettingly good looking it's kind of annoying truly um but (laughs) he's this beautiful french actor i know he's so Uh, gorgeous though it is kind of confusing because his name is friedrich and they say uh they either say frederick or he says frederick oh yeah that's not not how your name is spelled (laughs) oh yeah but um anyway 
No, I think that this movie has five million different ways you can be a lady. Mm -hmm. And all of them are cool. And, um, you know, it definitely made me check myself and be like, you know what? Anytime I ever thought that, like, someone doing something for a man was not okay, like, I don't know what the fuck they want. Like, I don't know. Maybe they want to do it for them. Maybe that's what they fucking want. And, like, we should let women just have their... (laughs) Not let women have agency because, like, that's a whole other fucking problem in and of itself. But, like, <laughs> just leave women alone. And, like, yeah, they have agency. They have power. They can make choices. They can unmake choices. Mm-hmm. They can change their minds. They can have both. They can have it all. Like, it doesn't fucking matter. Yeah. And I love this film. Me too. Because of it. Agree. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm. All righty. That was Greta. That's Greta, you guys. It's over. It's over. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> Go home. Monica, what have you dabbled in this week? Um, I'm really excited because this week. Yeah. So like at the end of last week, I dabbled in Brooklinen. Oh my God, sponsor us. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but but in all, you know, actuality, I purchased with my own money mm-hmm. a Brooklinen sheet set and duvet and duvet cover. Do you like them? I love them them i love them are they soft they're so soft and they're so cool and like cool as in like cooling cooling yeah because okay. i'm a hot sleeper I, I need to sleep in like antarctica in order to like survive i agree me too through the night and these sheets and this comforter set are 10 out of 10 hell yeah would recommend what about you um so my friend and i my friend mackenzie shout out mackenzie i don't think she <laughs> would appreciate that in that voice anyway shout out Mackenzie that's better um we started getting back into reading like Los Angeles literature oh um like California literature because we took I took a class on it in high school with Aaron our audio man very nice who I went to high school with if you guys didn't know that but anyway so um we like we're talking about it because I then took a class on it in college and got super into it and so we were talking about books that we wanted to read and then I was like what if we start reading more LA books together? And then our friend Carlin hopped on the train. And so now all three of us are reading LA lit. Granted the book that we're on now, I like don't know how I feel about it. What book? It's called Tropic of Orange. Oh, um, I don't remember who the author is. It's just like, it's good in the sense that it's like a well-written book. It just feels very academic. Oh, And so my quarantine brain is like not into that at the moment. So it's really taken me a long time to get through it. But like, it's nice to be enjoying that kind of literature again. Um, So that's what I've been doing. Amazing. Yeah. Do we have a question for this week? Let's see. We actually do. We have a question for this week. Oh. Uh, uh, what would John Fevreau do? The segment where we give you questionable advice on questions you submit to us don't forget to submit your questions at john favreau is allegedly my daddy at gmail.com or dm us on instagram or dm us on instagram or if you know us irl text us text us yeah this is a question from my friend eva okay she sent it to us the question is what was your favorite movie that you watched as a child that was definitely not meant for children oh wow um (laughs) i've watched so many of these (laughs) me too um what was yours my favorite was austin powers okay the entire austin powers franchise i definitely knew it was like not for kids but i didn't realize like how adult it was like i knew that they would like like make a lot of penis jokes and things like that and but i like didn't fully realize like you know 
everything. It also took me about a hundred years to realize how many characters Mike Myers plays in it. I was well, like, no. oh, these are all different actors. Wrong. <laughs> no. Incorrect. Um uh I don't I can't think of a movie. But when I was super young, mm-hmm. up until I guess now, <laughs> I was introduced to telenovelas, which are definitely not for children. What? Uh, <laughs> and they had a lot of spicy scenes in them, and they had a lot of spicy actors in them, and a lot of language, obviously in Spanish. But uh, that was what I was introduced to as a, as a wee tot. A lot of like... I had sex with you and I thought it was you, but it was actually your twin sister. Yeah, actually. Yeah. Wow. Did you watch them? Uh, no, my grandmother did. Oh, my sick. abuela. Seek. Uh, <laughs> anyway, yeah, that was that. That's mine. <laughs> that's pretty. Okay. That's pretty good. Uh, anyway. Yeah. So yeah. that was Greta Gerwig and that was today's ep. Yeah, oh. guys. Um, as always, subscribe, download rate us on apple podcast i don't care where you listen to the podcast but it's important to give us that five star on apple oh 100p just yeah. give it go ahead hop on over to apple p or write us a little a little review if you would we've gotten a couple <laughs> from people i don't i don't think i know in real life so that's, <laughs> that's you know promising but <laughs> uh anyway but thank, thanks for listening yeah thanks Love guys. You guys oh as always don't, don't sue, sue us daddy, daddy Favreau. Favreau. Yeah, we love you. We love you. I love you, Jessica. Bye, Monica. Love you, too. Bye.